Reading today is from uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, starting with verse 13. Any fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children do, not conform to the evil desires that you have when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. Since you call on Father who judges each person's work impatiently, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. But with precious blood, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but he was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Father God, we simply need you desperately. Your son is called the Prince of Peace for a reason, and he is the one who can, if he is truly leading our lives, can bring us a level of, a level of peace. And Lord, we need, that. we need that so bad. Father, I pray that for any of us who get to work with students on any level, that we can give them some assurance. And I, I pray, Father God, for teachers, for administrators, for, um, for those coaches, Lord God, who do more than just teach subjects, they teach students, and for those coaches who life. And the, Lord, we just also pray that you would strongly support those who are laying their lives down for us, the first responders, the police, ambulance, the doctors, the nurses, Lord, we just, we have so much to be grateful for in them, but we know, Lord, the pressures that are on them, and we pray that maybe we can be the, the support, maybe we know someone personally that we can help out. But Lord, help us as this hope, this hope community, this uh, church that calls itself hope, may we be some of the most inspiring people to be around because of the hope that we found in Jesus Christ. Father, continue to be with us as a church as we scatter to inspire hope in this community. We pray, amen. So we find ourselves in the second week of going through Peter's letters to people who were Jesus followers, and, and really those first Jesus followers were Jews themselves. They were, uh, you know, living in the, uh, in the streets of Jerusalem. Some had traveled to Jerusalem for Passover when Jesus was crucified. There were, you know, just this crazy amount of news being spread about um, someone, you know, dying, uh, someone that, you know, that, that he was saying, his followers were saying that he was this Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. And so, um, 
but when this movement was scattered because of persecution, most of those Jesus followers who were, uh, be, you know, they, they began their following Jesus as Jews and they were scattered because of the persecution. Many, if not most of the apostles stayed put there in Jerusalem to continue to teach, to continue to reach out, to continue to lead uh, the church there. But then uh, Peter would be used to encourage and challenge those who had been dispersed throughout uh, a number of provinces in Asia Minor, for, you know, kind of the, the known world at the time. And so he's going to continue on in his letter to provide some encouragement, some challenge to these people that maybe they never saw Jesus face to face. That though they didn't ever see him, and, and maybe he speak, you know, Peter is also speaking to us because we've never seen Jesus face to face, but we still trust in him. We still believe in him. And, and Peter, he's going to kind of launch right into some practical teaching. I don't know if you've ever read letters by the Apostle Paul before. But one of our favorite letters, in fact, the, the letter that uh, two of our, uh, our men's groups we were going through was the book of Romans. And Paul, in the book of Romans, lays out 11 chapters of what, what God did for us before he says in chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore, in view of God's mercies, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. And then Paul then begins to lay out some of the practical outworkings of what it means to be a Jesus follower uh, in our communities, in our, in our schools, in our homes. And, but Peter, he's our, you know, this is the first chapter. And he launches right into what it truly means to be a Jesus follower. And it's a, it's a life of, um, sometimes we use that word holiness, but it's a word of difference and distinction. And, and, it's, and it's something special. It's that God has set us a, a, apart and, and, and wants people to see his character lived out through us, which is why we pattern our lives after the life of Jesus. So um, what Julie read, we were beginning in, in verse 13 where he says, therefore, uh, with minds that are alert and fully sober. Now, if you've got a version that maybe it says something like this, what in the world is he talking about there? Um, this was essentially that you're girding oneself, you're tightening the belt because um, for the most part, you know, men wore these robes, they wore tunics. And if they were, uh, th they would do this if they were racing in athletics, they would do this if they were uh, in the armed forces. If you were getting ready for action, you would um, bring that tunic up and kind of put it in your belt so that you were ready to go. And so Peter is using this as a word picture that, listen, I, I, want, I want you to be ready to go. I want you to be alert. I want you to be sober-minded. But he's using this word picture of, of these men who are, you know, tucking up, tucking their belts in and they're getting ready to go. And, you know, um, you, you just, and that mindset is something that you see in, in their faces. You know, they're ready, they're raring to go. And so he says, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, we all know what being sober means, right? It means not intoxicated. Uh, but figuratively, it's, it's free from illusion, from the intoxicating influences of sin, from the impact of selfish desires, greed, passion, that kind of thing. But it, it refers to having a presence of mind, that you're being mindful of your surroundings, you're being mindful of what's happening, not only around you, but within you. Because both of those are very, very important. But it enables someone to be temperate and to have clear judgment. You're thinking clearly. You're th thinking very clearly. 
It could be that we've gotten angry at someone and so we're not thinking clearly or maybe we've read something or seen something in the news and it just, you know, it it begins to drive us crazy. We're not thinking clearly. We're not living self-controlled. Um, it means to have one's wits about you, you know, your faculties about you, which is the opposite of being irrational. Peter truly believes, as did Paul in his writings, as do many of the, the writers, that the way that you live your life begins by the way that you think, that your thinking directs your living. That, that whatever is going on in your mind, a lot of times can come out through your mouth. You remember that's what Jesus said. All the things that can come out through our mouths begin in our minds, begin in our thinking, and so out in our speaking. And Peter is just saying, listen, if we're going to direct our minds after Jesus, if we're going to pattern our life after the life of Jesus, it begins with our thinking. So, uh, you know, with minds that are alert and fully sober, Peter wants these scattered travelers to do something. So I'm just reminding you once again, his audience are these, you know, for the most part, many of them are Jews that have come to faith in Jesus because they heard the preachings of the, these apostles. They've, they've seen uh, everything that was written by their prophets some hundreds of years before. They have all this proof before them. At one point, Peter himself preaches on the streets of Jerusalem. 3,000 people come uh, to, to Jesus all at once. A couple of chapters later, it's 5,000. So there are thousands of people who are following Jesus in this moment, but because of persecution, they're scattered. Just imagine that your life has been upended by something. Can you imagine that? I know you probably can't imagine that. You know, you're, you know life is crazy. You know, you're, good, you're doing things different, right? You can't, you can't go to the store. You can't go to school without something being different. I know that it's hard for you to imagine that, right? Um, but, so, but Peter is talking to these, these people who have scattered. Their lives are upended. They've had to leave their homes, maybe even leave their livelihoods. It's possible that they're staying with family in another province. It's possible that they're looking for work in another country. And here, this is what Peter tells them. Set your hope. Oh, okay, we love that word. Okay, Peter, what, 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 what's the expectation that, you know, okay, I'm going to get a job this next week. I know that, you know, because of persecution, we've had to run into this other province. Am I going to get a job this next week? Are things going to get better next month? Peter wants us to set our minds on something a little bit further down the road than just what's going to happen tomorrow or next week, next month. Or next year. He says, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you. That's future tense. When Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Oh, that's okay. That's, that's going way out there, Peter. Around you. So you're going to have to do something to focus what's going on inside of you. You're going to have to set your hope on something more solid than what's happening around you. Or maybe the turmoil that's within you. Peter tells these scattered travelers to set their hope on Jesus Christ and his second coming. They believed, as we do, that Jesus is going to return. That just as the prophets prophesied that Jesus was going to show up for the very first time and give all these crazy details about what that was supposed to look like and how he would suffer and how he would die and how he would be resurrected, that there are prophets post-Jesus that say that and Jesus himself said that he would in view and that that's what we would set our expectation and excitement and hope on. 
And then he says, as obedient children, uh, do not conform any longer to the pattern. So um, let me go backwards because I'm still on this one. He says, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you once had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. Now that Peter is talking about um, the fact that we are to conform uh, the our conduct, our very lives, that what we do, what we think, how we behave, how we love one another. We need to conform to something other than the pattern that was handed down to us. That, that you know, you're not going to conform any longer to the ways that you once lived. There is a new way that you're going to live. And there are a couple, two reasons, which we'll get to in a moment, why we live that way. But you're not conforming any longer to your past life. You're conforming your life to the pattern of Jesus and specifically conforming your character to the character of God himself. So this word holy can mean different, unlike something else, other. There's an otherness about God. And, and just to remind you that, that there, were, there are times where Peter is, he'll use a word and his Jewish readers will go, oh, be holy because I'm holy. That's in Leviticus. I've, I've memorized that one. I, I knew that ever since I was a child, you know, says a, a Jewish follower of Jesus. And so, you know, they're to be different and other than and holy. And it means being like God. You're like, okay, so when we tend to think about holiness, we tend to think, oh, somebody who's holier than thou. They live their life, you know, perfectly. But it, it, it has more to do with the character, the very nature of God as being different, distinct, and special. And so it, it implies being set apart. We have been talking about this for a few weeks now. Many of us have dishes that we set apart for special times, right? When God calls you holy, he is setting you a special that he wants to use in your school, at work, in your family. That there's a distinctiveness about your life because there's a distinctiveness about your God. And the way that Peter says this is he says, just, just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. One of the ways that we could say that is be distinctive in the way that you conduct your life. I just want to let you know it's okay to be different. This world needs something that's different than what's going on right now. We, we need people in our communities who are patient, who are understanding with one another. It doesn't matter your political affiliation. You're going to care well for each other. You're going to love one another. And it's because of the pattern that is set down for us by Jesus. But then he says this. He says something kind of interesting. He says, since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. One of the ways that I, I saw this is like, live as a foreigner. Now, wait a minute. They are foreigners because they're Jews. They once lived in Palestine, but because they are now scattered due to persecution, they are foreigners living in a different country, different provinces. We loved living in Dearborn where we had Lebanese friends, Iraqi friends, Iranian friends, Chinese friends, Japanese friends. I mean, it was amazing to just be in that melting pot of cultures and just to enjoy each other's company, enjoy each other's food. I love their food. 
I loved our, uh, our dinners after church during the summers. We would do picnics uh, once a month. And a lot of our friends, our, our Muslim friends would come to church after church. <laughs> and then we would have this feast together. And we would be sitting outside on our corner there uh, at Outer Drive and Golf View. And it was just an amazing scene. But y- you know that someone who's a foreigner, they, they talk different, right? Somebody's from Texas, they say y'all, Right? Um, it, it, they may not be foreigners, but you, you know, they've got an accent. So there, there could be that accent, but they could have different cultures and different ways they go about doing things. They, they may even dress differently, but you know, is Peter saying live as a foreigner? Because you already are. He's, he's saying, listen, you already are a foreigner. Now he's going to use that in a moment to be a word picture because that, you know, about living as a foreigner in this culture does um, have this awesome word picture. But he says, you know, as foreigners, you are living in different places. I want you to live your life in reverence and awe. That there ought to be something about your life that has meaning and kind of some, some weightiness to it. You're not shallow when you talk to people. When you look them eye to eye, there's something about, you know, how you care about them and how you understand them and how you relate to them. But then they also begin to understand something about your relationship with God. I wanted to share what I did as what, what we've been involved at North Central is not a mission, it's connection. And I've been really careful not to actually say to too many people that I'm a pastor at Hope Church unless they ask me. But what was fun and really meaningful to me is the number of conversations that I got in with some of the kids who asked, as well as the parents who asked on Saturday. In fact, there was a song I was, you know, on my way to the school. Uh, we were, you know, we had jumped on the bus. We went on down to Ben Davis High School. Uh, we set up camp. We're, we're getting all set. Kids are getting, you know, getting warmed up, that kind of thing. And I'm whistling. I'm, I didn't even re- realize I was whistling, but I was whistling a worship song that I had heard in the radio. And then one of the girls said, hey, isn't that such and such a song? I was like, yeah, it is. She recognized it just through the tune. Do live as foreigners in this culture. The way that you live your life is foreign to this culture, but is there a weightiness? Are you living your life with this sense of reverence and awe? For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed. That's one of the reasons we'll get to in a moment. So there, there, there's one reason. There are two reasons why we do what we do. And one is that we were redeemed. The second is that we're born again. And we'll get to that in a moment. But then he says, you were redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Now, for Gentile believers in Jesus, they may not make that connection. And those of us who, you know, we're not so familiar, which used to be such a hallmark of Jewish faith. But from from their earliest times, they they would use as a symbol this lamb that they would sacrifice because Crimes carry consequences, but this word picture that they would live with for thousands of years, at one point, one of those Jews would see Jesus and say to his brother and say, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus himself is that Lamb without blemish or defect. What that means is that he was without sin. He, li- he did live his life whole in holiness and in perfection, and he was the perfect sacrifice for our sins, laying his life down for us. And Peter says that this was a job that he was chosen for before the creation of the world, but it was revealed what he would do in these last days. And through him, you believe in God. 
God is the one who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and your hope are in God himself. And I love what he says. He says, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for one another, it's real. It's not fake. Love one another deeply from the heart. The heart, uh, uh, the definition of that is not the, you know, what pumps the blood. They use that as a word picture for the very core of who we are and the very center of our being. So deep within you, love each other is why, you know, all of us have been there, done that, where we've had people in our lives that are very difficult to love. Can I get an amen? Um, uh, but we've needed to rely on God's very presence within us to change us from the inside out so that we can love with his love because I can't love with my own love. Peter says, love one another deeply from the heart. For, there's the second four, for you have been born again, not a perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. So part of Peter's, or I'm sorry, part of Jesus' great commission at the end of Matthew 28 was this. He said, teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you of how we can live our lives after Jesus. And there are just four takeaways for me that I just want to leave you with today is one is to set your mind. Where, where is your mind? Uh, have you ever, you know, just kind of written out where your thoughts have been over the past week, the past month, because the direction of your thinking may determine the direction of your living. So doing a thought assessment about what you're thinking and what's going on. And, and I, I find it interesting that, you know, when we read that, I, it's, it seemed very familiar to what Paul said, that, that you ought to, in Romans 12, cha, uh, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, he says, uh, be transformed by the renewing of your minds. We are transformed by the renewing of your minds. Be no longer conformed to the pattern that Peter is saying here that we are no longer to conform our lives after the pattern that we once had, but we are now to be transformed by setting our minds on that future hope. And so that's number one, setting your mind, setting your mind on the future, not right here, right now. Live with an expectation of Jesus' return. Live, uh, live with a, um, a hope that's set on something that's more out there than just what you think is gonna, what you're hoping for in this next week, this next, next month, or this next year. The second is conform your character. It's, it's living lives of distinction and holiness. It's taking on the character of our Heavenly Father. It's being different, distinct, and special because that's what God is. And when He, when he is living through us, it's His our lives. Are we finding our lives being more and more conformed after His character over the years? It's this mold, this pattern that we're living our lives after. Uh, I like to say that a, a definition of being a disciple of Jesus is uh, living with Jesus to live like Jesus. So conform your character and then live as a foreigner. We are foreigners. We, and, and as we are foreigners in this culture, as the way that we live our life seems foreign to people around us, that we would live our lives with this sense of reverence and awe. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's strange to people, but Peter calls his readers those, those strangers in this world, that though they once lived in Israel and Palestine and they are now living in other provinces, we are to live our lives in our communities as citizens of heaven that we are first of all citizens of heaven and to reach back to our series in Matthew, 
citizens of the kingdom of God. And then love one another deeply. This past week, in fact, the, so Wednesday, school, the rest of school was called off at 10 a.m. Uh, kids were sent home. We weren't doing any other extracurricular activities um, beyond that. So no practice that day. Uh, Thursday, that morning was the sit-in. They had to do a lockdown again. Uh, we did have practice that day. And, and uh, our head girls coach, Chad, did something really cool. They do their warm-ups, um, and so they go through this set of stretching and dynamics and that kind of thing, and then we send them off on a gentle run before their workout. And Chad wanted to have them split up into different grades, so freshmen were going to go off together, sophomores would go off together, juniors would go off together, seniors would go off together. And he brought all of them to him before they set off on this gentle run, and he gave them an assignment. And he said, listen, what I want you to do is I want you to think about all the girls in the three other grades. And I want you to say something that you really appreciate about them. Pick a representative and you're going you're gonna, to um, share one thing that you really enjoy about uh, the girls in that grade and on that team. Came back, we all came together and one by one, representatives from the different grades were coming out and just sharing the different things. Seniors being welcoming and truly caring for underclassmen. Freshmen, sophomores who were taking leadership and who were being responsible. And Chad, he did this because of, you know, we need to do it anyways. But he just really wanted the girls to remain positive, to care well for each other, and maybe to borrow Peter's words, to love each other deeply. One of the ways that you can go about this week of loving each other deeply is just to take a moment. The girls did 20 minutes. They thought about what they could say about the girls from the other grades. What if this week you took 20 minutes to think about those in your circle? Could be at Amazon, could be at school, could be in your family. But you take 20 minutes to intentionally think about those around you and how you can love and care for them deeply by having something that you've thought about, you've thought out, and you want to share with them. It could be written. It could be verbal. But how about this next week? We as representatives of Hope Church scatter to inspire hope wherever we are. And Father, that would be for our faith family. Because you have redeemed us, you have purchased us for yourself. <laughs> because we are born again, because we are brand new creations, and we are brand new because we have a new presence living within us, and that's your Holy Spirit, a very distinct, special, different presence within us. For those Two very important reasons. I pray, Father God, that you will help us love each other deeply and love our communities deeply as foreigners and strangers in this culture. We're thinking about, especially as it relates to relating with one another. Father, set up my, our minds on the direction of keeping our eyes focused on Jesus so we can run our race running after him. May we this week live so much closer to him so that as he lives through us, we might live more like him. We love you, Lord.
And thank you so much for reminding us of your love for us. In Jesus' name, all of God's kids said, amen.